Open your Bibles to Psalm 25 for a moment. Psalm 25. I appreciate the feedback obtained between services that there were things learned and review made in Isaiah 38 to profit your souls. May we remember the two R's that we will live in such a way that we can appeal to God to remember our righteousness rather than have to repent for God to forgive us our foolishness. And the choice is a choice we make every day. Every day is a brick that you put in that wall. A life is a string of consecutive days lived well. And so let's live each day the way we should so that in the time of need we can ask the Lord to remember rather than to repent of what we've done. In Psalm 25, this is just one place of many that the Lord put on my heart a few minutes ago. It says in verse 6, Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. That's reasoning in prayer. You're asking the Lord to remember his own character. Well, he doesn't need help remembering his character, but we can remind him that he should. And we can ask him to do so. And the next verse, remember not. Oh, I like this. Remember not. This isn't remembering. This is remember not. It works as well. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Just think if we take a verse like this, and add it to Isaiah 38.3. That's some powerful reasoning and bringing a lot of good things to the Lord's attention. Verse 9, The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. So a man can choose to be meek or not to be meek, and there are benefits to derive from it. Verse 10, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. A man can keep his covenant and his testimonies or not, and derive the benefits or not thereof. And so I hope you see this taught throughout the Bible for us to live a righteous life. The power of a righteous life is great. We could just keep on reading. Verse 12, What man is he that feareth the Lord? What happens to the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. Tremendous. Verse 13, His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. All these blessings derived from us meeting the practical conditions of a righteous life. And a righteous life, because of David's example, Hezekiah's example, other examples, is never a perfect life. Even though the Lord can call things perfect that we look at as imperfect. The Bible says that Asa's heart was perfect before the Lord, but he did not take down the high places. But the Lord said he had a perfect heart before him. That is so merciful, so kind, so gracious. So don't lose hope that you know you're a sinner. Remember that the Lord is so merciful when he looks at us and do what you can and repent for your sins and press forward. Which brings us to Isaiah 38. And according to one brother, I didn't give enough attention to a particular word in this chapter. And I appreciate this, brother. And so a 39-year-old brother in this congregation 
got me at break time and told me I didn't give enough due attention, and it wasn't the one in the front row, that I didn't give enough due attention to a C word in Isaiah 38. Celebrate. Verse 18. For the grave cannot praise thee, death cannot celebrate thee. And I appreciated the reminder. I was out of time. I felt hamstrung. I felt hobbled. I felt in quicksand. Because I have preached to you before the importance of celebration. And we are a strange church in the earth because we hold mirth feasts to have mirth and great gladness for the things the Lord's done for us. And there is a time to celebrate. And the reason He's given us life is to celebrate Him. The grave cannot praise Thee. Death cannot celebrate Thee. Let's use our lives to praise Him and to celebrate Him. Amen. He's good. And there are good things happening to some of you. There are good things happening to all of us. Amen. But you know, sometimes I hear about the special things happening. And so let's celebrate the Lord. And that's what life is for. And it's the most fun thing you'll ever do is to celebrate God and is to praise the Lord for all He's done for us. So that's from Isaiah 38. Let's go to Isaiah 39. I've made you a sincere promise that we are not going to be long here. And let's see if we can get through these simple eight verses. Isaiah 39, eight verses long. After his near-death experience of Isaiah 38 and the consequent glory and riches that Hezekiah received, he failed. He fell due to his pride. He got puffed up. He didn't walk softly like he said he would in the bitterness of his soul. His soul got haughty because God blessed him very greatly. I would like you to turn, holding your place at Isaiah 39, to 2 Chronicles chapter 32 so that I can just share a little bit from God's Word about how great Hezekiah became. If you have taken any time to look at the King's account versus the Chronicles account versus the Isaiah account, we need all three. Okay, the Lord's just reminded me that what He reminded me of, I failed to follow through on in the last five minutes of my life. So, so I'm backing up right now. I'm backing all the way up to Psalm 25 and remember not the sins of my youth. And I am talking to you. Okay? And you, and you, and you. I'm talking to all the youth here. Do you know why you heard amens when I read Psalm 25? Remember not the sins of my youth? Because there are older ones in here that care about you and that care about the Lord and know that they sinned in their youth. And so they're glad that they can pray, remember not the sins of my youth. Do you know what I want to lay before you, Bethany? Why don't you live in such a way that you won't have any sins of your youth to ask Amen. the Lord not to remember? Wow, what a gift you can give the Lord. What a gift! Amen. And Marissa, what a gift! If you live for the Lord every day. Molly, live for the Lord. Abraham, don't look at her, I'm talking to you too. You live for the Lord every day. Right. Then you won't need Psalm 25 to pray it that way. Right. It tears us up because we have to pray that way. Remember not the sins of my youth. You can give the Lord 
a special gift by living your youth. He knows about the sins of youth. That's why Paul told Timothy, flee youthful us. The Lord knows about the temptations of youth. Carissa, I'm thinking about you right now. Live your life for the Lord every day while you're young. Then when you're older, you don't have to, like us, appreciate Psalm 25. Benjamin, think about it. How old are you now? Seven. Seven. Between now and ten, can you be, live the best three years of anyone on earth for the Lord? QT. No, I just... Mary Grace, every one of you, the Lord knows what it's like at your age because Jesus Christ lived your age. He knows what a terrible world that we're in. He knows our flesh. And I want you young ones, back to you, Benjamin and Asher, I want you young ones to live in such a way that you won't need Psalm 25 like that. All you'll be, remember me, Lord, for the teenage life that I lived. I cannot pray that. I cannot pray that. I can only pray, remember not, and I repent. Roger, I'm talking to you and your sister that's looking at you now. Abigail, every single one of you in here is important to us. You can give the Lord a gift. And you can pray differently than, than your parents. And I hope that it's true with every one of the adults in here. I want to lay before you some statistical analysis of our 201 church family soon. And it has nothing to do with the numbers. It has to do with the body parts that the Lord put together in a body where Jesus is the head of it. Because he describes us as hands, feet, eyes, ears, and so forth. And I want you to think about that. And I want you to realize that the church is described in the New Testament as a temple made up of living stones. And the Lord has taken a trowel and put together some interesting stones. And we can break it down by statistical analysis of sex and age to realize the bulwarks and the parapets of this temple God's made. Let's make it great. All you children, Tali, we want you to be better than your parents. I want all my children to be better than their parents. I want all my grandchildren to be better than their parents and their grandparents. That is our goal for you, so that you won't have to pray Psalm 25. Elijah, the best. Don't ever turn away from the way of the Lord. Isaiah 39. Well, no, I think I told you that we would go look at 2 Chronicles 32. I'm going to be on track shortly. This train is running through the fields looking for rails. 2 Chronicles 32. There's not a child in here that I don't want to be better than their pastor. And I'll do, any, I'll do anything for them. Logan, be great. Don't be average. Don't be normal. Don't be like your brothers. Be better. Now to undo that, I've got to do this. Landon, be great. Don't be like your brothers. Be better. Liam, don't be like your brothers. Be better. Be great for the Lord. 
2 Chronicles 32, I want you to hear how prosperous God made Hezekiah. Look at verse 22. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. So that was last Sunday, chapters 36 and 37. What happened when Sennacherib lost 185,000 soldiers and Hezekiah won the day and Sennacherib retreated from the region 700 miles back home to Nineveh? Here's what happened. Verse 23, And many brought gifts unto the Lord to Jerusalem and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was magnified in the sight of all nations from thenceforth. Hezekiah becomes great, and his reputation is throughout the whole world. In those days, Hezekiah was sick to the death and prayed unto the Lord, and he spake unto him, and he gave him a sign. That's pretty good to take all of chapter 38 and to put it into one verse. Okay, you see that? Chronicles summarizes it, but Chronicles is the only place that tells us about his revival. You want to get all the details of his revival? You've got to get into the four chapters before this. Each one has its place, and if you put them together, and it is on our website, and I sent it to you in an email, the three accounts lined up side by side, but I left off the revival because it was going to make it too many pages. I didn't want to intimidate you by how many pages it would be. But here we are about Hezekiah. Verse 25, But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore there was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. That's Isaiah 39. In summarized in one verse. Notwithstanding, thank you Lord for this, notwithstanding Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. Wonderful. He could pray remembrance, remember in chapter 38, and he could pray, I repent, in chapter 39. And Hezekiah had exceeding much riches and honor, and he made himself treasuries for silver and for gold and for precious stones and for spices and for shields and for all manner of pleasant jewels, storehouses also for the increase of corn and wine and oil and stalls for all manner of beasts and cots for flocks Moreover, he provided him cities and possessions of flocks and herds in abundance, for God had given him substance very much. This same Hezekiah also stopped the upper water course of Gihon and brought it straight down to the west side of the city of David. And Hezekiah prospered in all his works. Howbeit, in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land, God left him to try him that he might know all that was in his heart. Amen and amen. And see, that's a summary of what we're covering today in, the, in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. Let's come back over to Isaiah chapter 39. And I read the first two verses. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah. For he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. And Hezekiah was glad of them and showed them the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasuries. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. Babylon. Assyria still rules the world at this time. 
and we'll rule the world for another 160 years. Its capital was at Nineveh. Babylon was a major city at this time, but it was under the authority of the kings of Assyria. And they did have their problems with Babylon from time to time, keeping Babylon under their yoke. And eventually Nebuchadnezzar, the great Babylonian, was able to defeat and overthrow Nineveh. And that's the book of Nahum. The book of Nahum in the Bible is three chapters long, and it's about Nebuchadnezzar the Babylonian destroying the Assyrian capital of Nineveh. Nineveh is the place where Jonah went. And so we have a four-chapter book about Jonah preaching in Nineveh 160 years before Nahum described its destruction. So we have the king of Babylon, who's a little friendlier toward Israel and Judah. Think about it. And we don't see the kings of Assyria coming to bless Hezekiah. Are you thinking politically? Think politically. Sennacherib isn't sending a present. But the king of Babylon is. Because what happened to Assyria in Judah was good news to the king of Babylon. And it was good news to the whole world that this mighty empire had reached a point and they lost a battle. And news of that thing spread and the wonder that was done in the land. The, what's the wonder in the land? The sun moving back 10 degrees. And they had heard a rumor, they had heard news that King Hezekiah had a fatal disease and then he survived it. So bang, 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 good things were happening and they heard about it and they made Hezekiah great in reputation and in wealth. Nice gestures. Hear the word of the Lord and its warning to you and to me today. Nice gestures by pagans and worldlings should be viewed as that. Pagan worldlings. We are allowed considerable liberty doing things with pagans. Paul told us we can't go out of the world. So if we engage in business with pagans, we can engage in business with all kinds of sinners right. in the world. We have to. Or we would have to leave the world and, and take one of these new ventures to the moon or someplace. So that is found in 1 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10 that we have to engage with the world. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, if an unbeliever bids you to a feast and you're disposed to go and that feast is to Zeus and your family can get fed, then go ahead and go. Go ahead to that block party and eat steak that was offered to Zeus. That, we're taught that in the Bible. I'm just, going, just reminding you of some general principles of dealing with the world. However, the world and its people are enemies of God. James 4, 4 says, ye adulterers and adulteresses. And it's talking about spiritual adultery and spiritual adulteresses in that place. Know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? God is offended as if we had gone and committed it. He's our husband, we're his wife. And we go commit adultery with the world. That's why he called them adulterers. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. So we got to be careful when they start flattering us or start paying us more or paying us compliments. It went to Hezekiah's heart. Your friends will either corrupt or grow you. Choose them wisely. You hang around with wise men, you'll be wise. You hang around with foolish men, you'll be foolish. Proverbs 13, 20. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Be not deceived. What? Evil communications corrupt good manners. Right. So here comes the evil communicators from Babylon. But it's one of the power centers of the world. 
And they're, they come with letters, get well cards, and gifts, a present for the king. It's too much for Hezekiah to bear. You know, he receives them in and shows them everything. He's over there spinning the combination lock, opening the vault doors. Look at this. He's pulling out the shelves. Look at all this. It's terrible. It's pride. Prosperity can destroy us. The Bible says that Jeshu run waxed fat and kicked. In Deuteronomy 32 and verse 15. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 27, 21, that praise is one of the best tests of a man's character. Let me read it to you. Proverbs 27, 21. As the finding pot for silver and the furnace for gold. You need a furnace to burn off all the impurities to end up with 24 karat gold. 24 karat gold is 100% pure gold. Except it can never be quite that pure, short of God's hand. So they call it 0.999 pure. That is how they label it. As the finding pot for silver, where you refine silver by applying great heat to it, and the furnace, that's where you apply great heat to gold, and gold ore to get the gold out of it, so is a man to his praise. So is a man to his praise. When praise comes along, it's another kind of a temptation, it's another kind of a trial, but oh, it is a sweet one. It is a sweet morsel to receive the praise of men and to let it go to your heart that you're something special. And that is what happened to Hezekiah. It was a problem in his heart. He didn't handle the praise well. The whole world was adoring him. He had things he could show that the sun moved backward 10 degrees. That's huge. He had beat an invincible army and sent them packing back to Nineveh. That's huge. He was cured from an incurable disease. That's huge. So when God blesses you, how are you going to handle it? Are you still nothing less than nothing? And like Solomon would pray, I am but a little child. I don't know how to go out or to come in. Amen. Let's just keep thinking that way, praying that way, talking that way. I don't, I don't have to imagine. I'm the least and the worst God ever put in the ministry. I want to talk like Solomon. Let's not let, ever let anything go to our heads. We're nothing. I want to be Balaam's transportation for the Lord. You just be thankful that Balaam's ass was already taken as a website address. Because our webmaster knows I tried. But another Baptist preacher got to it before I did. Or our website was going to be www.balaamsass.com. Because did God speak through an ass to the false prophet Balaam? He sure did. Romans 3, 4, let God be true sounds better. I've come around in my old age. Oh, let's be humble. This went to Hezekiah's head. Look at Hezekiah in verse 2. He was glad of them. He was glad. Let's be like Agur instead of Hezekiah. Agur said, Lord, don't make me rich. Don't make me poor. Give me food convenient for me right in the middle. If you make me too rich, I'll get too proud. If you make me too poor, I might steal and take your name in vain. Just give me food convenient for me. This is America, and we think everything is a competition to be better, to make more, to have a bigger house. Let's not live that way. Let's just look for food convenient for us and see who's going to celebrate the Lord the most. Oh, yes. Now, that's a competition the Lord will allow you to engage in. 
That covet earnestly the best gifts, the Bible says. There is coveting that's allowable. Let's focus on that instead of these things. It's too easy on these things. The world out there is too easy. Yes, you work hard. Of course you work hard. But nobody else works all that hard. And so it's easy to show a difference. Hezekiah was glad of them. It says in verse 2, And showed them everything. There was nothing in his house, nor in all his dominion, that Hezekiah showed them not. Hezekiah was glad. Be careful when the world makes you glad and they treat you well. The Bible says if you're a man given appetite, what should you do? You're looking at your utensils, which one should you pick up? A knife and put it to your throat. Because they have evil eyes. And what were the evil eyes of the Babylonian ambassadors? They went back and made the best accounting they could and put a dollar value on everything that they saw. And it was just a few years later, a hundred years later, that Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians came and took everything that they had seen and took it into Babylon. Just as the Lord's going to promise Hezekiah in this chapter. Instead of praising God and giving him all the glory and himself none, Hezekiah showed off. Eric, I appreciated your comments when you were leading us in those songs. Hezekiah became very great in reputation and very rich in wealth by God and men honoring him. The combined results of God's several blessings exalted him highly. But he had other things he could have shared. Like Eric mentioned to you, he could have greatly praised God for the many blessings of defeating Assyria, agricultural recovery. Remember, they didn't have to plant for two years. The third year they could plant and reap. Cured from illness, the sun moving backward. He could have given God all the glory. He could have pulled some psalms. Remember that musical demonstration that I read to you from 2 Chronicles? Why didn't he pull off a concert like that? Man, I want you right here at the front. I want you right here at the front. You don't have to pay the maitre d' anything. I want you in the prime seats in the house, and we're going to have a concert. And we're going to praise the God of heaven. I'm nothing without him. I'd be dead already from the disease I had. That boil I had, it was consuming my flesh. He should have done that. Give God all the glory. When something happens to you that is good, give God all the glory. Right. Celebrate instead of your promotion or your raise or the blessing that God gave you. Celebrate instead that you are complete in Him. Amen. That is so much bigger and so much better. Amen. You should be shouting because you're complete in Him. Amen. Colossians 2.10 And ye are complete in Him. Hezekiah didn't do that. The Spirit described Hezekiah's pride as not returning the benefit of God's kindness. Did you hear those words? I'm not going to turn you back to 2 Chronicles, but I read it to you. Was it in his genes? It was in his genes. Is it in your genes? Oh yes, it's in your genes. It's in all of our genes. To take pride in accomplishments and the praise of the world. It's in our genes. To let it swell our heads and go to our hearts. To think that we're special and that we can now operate slightly outside the rules. Because we're something special. See, his uh, great-grandfather was Uzziah. And the Lord blessed Uzziah greatly, and he got lifted up and thought that he could go in and offer incense with the priests of God. And God gave him leprosy, and it rose right up in his face as he stood there and opposed the priests of God. Right. Uzziah was blessed greatly. Go read about his great weapons of war and how rich he was. But when he was lifted up, his heart 
turned away from the Lord. It's not explained here in Isaiah 39, but it was in 2 Chronicles where I read it. The Lord had left Hezekiah to expose the pride of his heart. There is a God that, that holds our hearts in his hands and in his mercy does not let go. But sometimes he'll let go a little to show us what we'll do without his grace. David was turned over to Satan by the Lord. It is 2 Samuel 24.1. It says that the Lord provoked David to number Israel. 1 Chronicles 21.1 says, for the same event, he turned him over to Satan. And David numbered Israel, which was a terrible sin. Jesus Christ turned Peter over to the devil. And what did Peter do in just a couple of hours? He denied the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to realize, and sometimes we may not see it all clearly, but we see enough to know how we ought to pray. Lord, make me go in the way of thy commandments. Because David prayed that way. And David was a man that loved the Lord, had loved the Lord from childhood. He was the great psalmist of Israel, but he prayed, make me go in the way of thy commandments. Quicken me according to thy precepts. Make me alive toward thy precepts. Give me understanding and I'll keep your way. When you read Psalm 119 and some of the other Psalms along that line, we want to pray that way. Because it's God's grace that holds us. Don't think that there is any sin in the world that you wouldn't commit if God withdrew his grace from you. You would commit it immediately. Peter said, I will go to death for you. Two hours later, he's denying him with with curses and oaths. That is what we are by nature, and that is what we are if the Lord lets Satan have us. Your heart is very deceitful, so you've got to pray against it. Wise men know they cannot stand against temptation without the Lord. Anything and everything you have, holding your place at Isaiah 39, look at 1 Corinthians 4, 7. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. It's a good verse to remember that everything you have is a gift. And what should you do with the gift? Celebrate it like it's something you accomplished? It's a gift. So you should praise the giver. You should serve the giver. You should obey the giver. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. For who maketh thee to differ from another? Oh, we don't even like hearing that. I make me to differ from another. What do you think? Set me down at the same test. Set me down at the same table and give them and me the same IQ test. I make me to differ from. Oh, let's back up a little bit. Where do you think your IQ came from? Where do you think the table came from? Where do you think the IQ test came from? It all came from the Lord. You say, well, I work hard in the. Why do you work hard in the job? Did you have parents that worked hard in the job and taught you how? Are you part of a church that teaches you how to work hard in the job? Why do you work hard? Everything goes back to him. Look at this verse. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. For who maketh thee to differ from another? It's not you. And what hast thou that thou didst not receive like a gift? Now if thou didst receive it like a gift, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? Why do you get so excited and why do you get so proud and puffed up and pompous as if you accomplished it when it's the lord that gave it to you well i pulled myself up by my own bootstraps oh are you kidding me who gave you boots who gave you arms to even pull them up 
You're wrong, wrong, wrong on all counts. Amen. It's the Lord. Amen. And so back to Hezekiah and Isaiah 39, Hezekiah messed up. Hezekiah got proud. Hezekiah in his heart thought too highly of his riches and too highly of his reputation. So we come to verses 3 and 4. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto King Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. Then said he, that is Isaiah, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All that is in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. Well, he's honest. He told, he's honest. Here's why you need all three passages. See, there's nothing here that says he repented. But do you know what the others tell us? He repents as soon as Isaiah confronts him with his fault. He repents. Now, there's, there's anger of God building against Judah, all of Judah, and against Hezekiah and his family for Hezekiah's pompous pride that he is developing. But when he shows it to the Babylonian ambassadors, then Isaiah confronts him. He admits honestly what he did. He repents because Chronicles tells us that. Right. And the Lord forgives him, and he gets the word, the judgment isn't going to happen in your life, which is immediately on the tails of this right here, which compresses it all together. I hope you can see that. That when he was confronted, he repented. So here we have an example, brethren, of an R for remember in chapter 38, and an R for repent in chapter 39, and they're very close together. Right. Oh, we can, can we do better? Let's help each other do better. Amen. When we come together, the purpose for an assembly is only partial, small part, to hear preaching. The purpose for an assembly is to consider one another and to provoke one another to love and to good works. That's Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. That is why we assemble. So when we get here, you should be thinking before we're here who you're going to see, who you're going to encourage to be a great Christian. That's why we have a church. The Lord could have arranged a thousand or million different ways for a preacher to communicate with you, or he wouldn't have needed a preacher at all. It could have been a little pill from the preaching tree. And you would just go out and take a little pill and drink it with a glass of water? Absolutely. Uh -huh. You think God's incapable of inventing something like this? And drink a little pill, and it would give you all the knowledge you need. He has arranged for corporate worship to help each other. And so we want to help each other do better than what we read about Hezekiah right here in verses 3 and 4. Lord, help us. So when we look at these, three verses, these two verses, verses 3 and 4, Isaiah... He knows the men that came, but he asks, who were these men? Where did they come from? Well, they came from Babylon. They came a long ways. They came 900 miles to see how rich I am. What would you show them? I showed them everything. Here's the answer from Isaiah, verses 5 through 7. Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts the general of the armies of heaven, the king of the angelic armies. Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, Hezekiah, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, 
saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. And amen. Now this judgment that is described in verses 5 through 7 is not because of Hezekiah's pride, because this had been building for a long time with Judah's idolatry, their high places, their groves, and their lack of interest in the worship of God. They're, they allowing Ahaz to shut the temple down and to exalt idolatry throughout the whole nation. Remember, the reason it had been preserved was for blank my servant's sake. David, my servant's sake. God saved that city because through David's seed was going to come the Lord Jesus Christ. But here Hezekiah is told, those men that you seem so pleased with, they saw everything you have and you just gave them the highest incentive to a worldling to want to come back and take that wealth back to Babylon. Your sons. Now how literal will this get? Manasseh was, hauled, Manasseh was his son. Manasseh was hauled off to Babylon and put in prison. But then it just continues right down through the generations till you get to Daniel. They were from the seed royal. Those, Daniel and his friends were royal princes. And they were hauled off and made eunuchs, just, just like the verse says, in the palace of the king of Babylon. Hezekiah made an error in pride. Hezekiah made an error in what he showed enemies of the church of God. And we want to think about all these different aspects. Hezekiah got glad when the world praised him. We don't want the world to praise us. If the world praises us, something is wrong. The world never praised Jesus of Nazareth. The world never praised the Apostle Paul. Not ever. We want to be careful. And in your private lives, when you get promoted, when you get an increase, when accolades are sent out by emails, make sure that your heart is humbled and you don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Because praise like that is a refining pot and like a furnace for your character. How do you respond to it? Let it roll off your back like water off a duck's back. It didn't with Hezekiah. And so the Lord gives him this announcement through Isaiah. And the last verse, Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. This should help you understand that there was a bigger issue at stake than just Hezekiah. Hezekiah repented, and as we read in Second Chronicles, the Lord had immediate mercy on them, and withdrew his anger, and did not show his anger against Judah while Hezekiah was alive. You know, during Manasseh's life, things got much worse. But when you first read verse 8, do you have thoughts like, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. Well, that's okay. If they come and haul all the riches of Jerusalem back to Babylon, they take all, the, all my grandsons and great-grandsons, that sounds okay to me. Does it, does it bite you that way when you first read the verse? Like, that's kind of a lighthearted approach to such terrible things coming to Jerusalem. 
why doesn't Hezekiah pray in verse 8 like he prayed in 38.3? He prayed in 38.3 because he was dying. Why doesn't he pray in 39.8 the same way? He, it's almost like, who cares? Good is the word of the Lord, which thou hast spoken. Because we are told certain things in the Bible, and Hezekiah, Hezekiah had Isaiah the prophet standing right there, that laid on him the burden of the word of the Lord way beyond Hezekiah's little issue. That there was a mounting problem of sin among the Jews that was going to have to be dealt with. And so Hezekiah knows this one is out of his hands. Mm -hmm. This one is too big, is too long in duration, and God is going to have to punish the Jews. You know, all the prophets have been writing about this event, of it coming. Moses had said that it would come. If you sin, I'm going to have to scatter you in all nations. In the sixth year of Hezekiah, God had already done that to the ten tribes, and now he's about to do, he's going to do it in a hundred years to the two tribes. And so Hezekiah realizes this is God's plan for the long-term wickedness of our people. There's not a thing I can do about it. The Lord's will be done. The Lord's will be done. Good is the word of the Lord, which thou hast spoken. If that's God's plan, that's okay, and I submit to it. And he adds, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. I can't turn away the wrath of God that is building against the Jews to scatter them according to God's eternal purpose for their long-standing wickedness, but I can be thankful that it won't happen in my days. And you know, following this, when you read the Bible, we have a bad king Manasseh, a bad king Ammon, and we work our way to Josiah. And Josiah works a tremendous revival. Josiah is known as the greatest king to turn back to the Lord of all the kings. But Josiah died young for the same reason, because God didn't want Josiah to have to see what he was going to do to Judah and Jerusalem. And so we close up this little chapter of Isaiah 39, showing the weakness of human flesh, that though in chapter 38, remember with me, Hezekiah said, I will go softly all the days of my life because of the bitterness in my soul. I will never forget the terror of thinking I was going to die at 39 from that boil. And so I'm going to live carefully the rest of my life. Have we all made vows? And when the danger or threat is removed, we forget what we promised. We forget the fear that we had. And we fall back to the common denominator, and that's human pride. And Hezekiah did. If the Lord's ever got your attention by some event in your life, resurrect that feeling that you had at that time and remember it today to give him the service that you promised him and to walk softly with what he has saved you from already. Let's not do what Hezekiah did. But if you do what Hezekiah did, do you know you have another R word at your disposal? Repent. And the Lord forgives. It's called the R factor, and it's powerful in the Bible. Powerful. The Lord forgave him. 
and the Lord continued right on blessing him so that he died a great man and was buried in one of the royal sepulchers of the sons of David. And so ends the Old Testament of the book of Isaiah. <laughs> I just say that because of the 39 chapters and the 39 books in the Old Testament. Because look at the next word of chapter 40. And that's not going to be till 2020. Look at the next word. It's the same as Matthew. There's 66 books in Isaiah. The first 39 are God's judgments through Assyria and on the nations around the Jews. But chapter 40 starts out with, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. And we get introduced to John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus Christ right off the get-go to work our way into the second half of the book. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word. May we remember the two R's of how we ought to live a righteous life and the power of a righteous life, how that we can reason with God in prayer. And let's not let the flattery of this world or anyone do anything to us. Let's be the simple little children that we actually are and not think we're anything better. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.